Hello and welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. My name's Simeon. I was a primary school teacher in year three, four and year one, two for eight years. I was a maths lead, an RE lead, but my absolute favourite part of my career was getting to work with trainee teachers as a student mentor. And that's why I just feel so happy and excited that I get to work at Twinkle now and help trainee teachers and ECTs begin their career on the right foot. And hello, my name is Ashley. I'm also an ex-primary school teacher. I used to work predominantly in year four and year five. And I love just being able to help any trainees and ECTs feel confident when they step into that classroom. And hopefully that pod- this podcast will help you do that. Today's show is all about starting your ECT journey. We're coming to the end of the year now. Some of you may have found jobs, some of you may still be looking, and some of you may be considering other options for the year ahead. So we're going to try and cover as much of that as we can in the show. And we've got an excellent interview coming up for any of you interested in supply teaching. But before we jump straight in, we just want to share our social channels with you so that you can reach out to us if you have any questions or if you need any support. So firstly, we are on Facebook. We have quite a few things available on Facebook. So we have two pages, the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs page. But we also have two groups that has helped lots and lots of trainees and ECTs as a bit of a support network. You can ask and receive um, questions and support. And that is the Twinkle Trainee Teachers group. And we also have the new Twinkle ECT and NQT support group. We are also on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. We are on Instagram at Twinkle Trainee Teachers. And we are also on TikTok at Twinkle Trainee Teachers. And this podcast will be going out on Apple. It'll be going out on Spotify and any streaming podcast service. Okay, so before we begin, I'd just like to say that I've noticed we've been getting a lot more downloads recently, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going well. It's really exciting (laughs) news. And we've even had, we've we've been doing our mock interviews and we've even had a couple of people tell us, oh yeah, we listen to the podcast. And we're like, you do? (laughs) Uh, So basically what I'm saying is if you are listening to the podcast and you do find it useful or you want to ask us a question or anything, uh, shoot us a message on social media because the only trouble with our platforms is we don't really get to interact with the people who are listening to the podcast you can't really do that on spotify um yeah and it would be lovely to hear from some listeners definitely 100 percent. it'd be lovely to just to hear if you've got any suggestions for any podcasts that you would like in the future or anything that you would like us to cover we're we're always here to listen to any suggestions Or if you'd like to come on and share your experiences with us, we're always up for having guests and we've got a great guest today. I'm really excited about that interview. It's amazing. Okay, so we're going to break this show into two segments. So starting your ECT journey. So first up, we're going to talk for about 10 minutes on what you could be doing now if you found a job. And then we'll talk about, well, if you haven't found a job yet, what are your options and what could you do if you actually, you don't want a job, if you want to break for a while. And then we're going to end the show with our lovely interview with Alicia. She started her career doing supply teaching and she has a lot of great tips. 
Yeah, she's fantastic. You really want to listen to that interview. She's got lots of tips and she's just so positive about the experience. So, Ashley, we've kind of broken this down. So let's say someone's got their first teaching job and the short answer is you don't need to do too much. You can enjoy yourself and celebrate and be happy. But there are a couple of things you might want to think about and a couple of things you could do for fun to help you get ready for September. So um, we've Talk, we've talked first in our notes about things you might want to buy. Do you, do you want to kick that one off, Ashley? Yeah. Um, the first thing that I would say is to try and be a little bit restrained. If you're um, thinking about your first class in September, you'll probably want to go mad. Yeah, don't go mad. <laughs> no, don't. Um, because I did that. I, I did everything and I bought everything and I didn't really use it. I would be keeping it quite simple to begin with. And then once you're in the flow of your classroom, you will start to spot things that you might want to get that will improve your classroom for you or for the children. So just try and not go crazy um, to begin with. But there are a few things that you can you can be getting that will set you up a little bit. So the first ones for me is I always try and get organized and it's however you are organized, um, whether that is by getting little drawers and trays that you might want to put in there for um, your work for specific subjects or specific days of the week. I would be looking and getting things uh, from there. There is a specific Swedish company that technically lots of teachers use but I'm not going to name drop but they they do nice meatballs um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about yeah um lots of people go there um, because it's quite cheap and you can be getting lots of different things but I would also be a bit creative with that I in my first year I wanted everything teacher based so when I was searching for things it was pencil pots I was looking for and actually as I became more experienced I got a bit more creative with what I could use as pencil pots I used to use things like cutlery caddies that you would find in supermarkets and they were great for sort of table um, organization just little things like that if you want to Um, but I would also the first thing is and good notebooks getting things if you're going to be writing notes if you if you are a post-it person post-it note person get some of those to get organized if you like a good planner if you want to be looking at getting one um if sharpies pens pencils anything that you think for your desk i think would be a, a good way to start what what do you suggest i mean um, well, I've got a couple of things to consider. You've covered most of the main ones. Notebook, having lots of notebooks was the big one for me. Um, I would have a separate just notebook and marking book. And my school actually provided an old school style marking book. So I would I would have those two as separate things. And I would also have another notebook that for communicating with my TA. Uh, oh, that's but, a good idea. Oh, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we would write each other notes because I actually had two TAs at one time and sometimes they didn't work in afternoons. It was the only way to keep mm. track of everything. Yeah. But um, before you rush out and buy anything, I would talk to your school and see what the process is for doing an order. How do they order supplies and can you get in on the end of the year order if you need mm. anything? Because that could save you a lot of money because yeah. it, it does get expensive buying your own stationery and things, even if it's very nice. Um the main one for me is boring, but I'm going to say it, lots and lots of folders. Yeah. And you might be able to get your school to buy those for you. And 
The reason I say that is because I worked out after a while that I pretty much needed a separate folder for English and maths for the year mm. to keep track of everything. Because uh, the way I marked, I would have all the books at the end of the day and I'd just have a sheet with people's names on the whole class's names and I'd just make a few notes while I marked and yeah. then stick that in a folder. And over the year, that builds up really well. So I have one for English, maths, and then humanities and science, just all the other subjects is how yeah. I did it. Uh, and then I'd also, I'd also, you might not want to do this, but it <laughs> did save me time. If I'd created anything, like if I created my own worksheet or anything like that, or a resource, I would put that in a folder so I could come back to it next year. And that nice. was a really nice time saver for me, uh, especially... I was working in mixed age classes, so it was actually a two-year rolling curriculum. So yeah. making sure you've not repeated yourself or you're doing it in a different way was quite important. So, uh, yeah, folders. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And they're not boring. They're actually really useful um, and, and just a great sort of skill to start on an organised foot. If you yeah. can start going in organised, that will continue. The only thing that I would want you to talk about last is um, clothes. Yes, um, yeah. I, I think you should probably kick off on this. <laughs> um, so it's very um, tempting to go out. You want to be fashionable. You want to be looking amazing. But you can be actually spend a lot of money on clothes that will, especially if you're in primary school and especially if you are in those lower year groups, are probably going to get ruined. If you are painting or if you are around children with sticky fingers all the time, you don't want to be spending so much money on clothes if they are going to get ruined, which they likely will do over the oh, course of the year. They, they will, especially in early years. I know a teacher who bought brand new Ugg boots in school and they were ruined within an hour. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Yeah, try and be hesitant with the amount of money you're spending on clothes. But also, what I would um, that I've noticed in different schools is that some schools have different sort of um, clothes policies, especially when it comes to summer, which you you know you might not be needing to worry about right now. But certain schools um, sort of restrict certain styles of clothing. I'm not saying that this is a huge issue, but it might just be something that you just want to check. Um, as I know that a lot of schools, they don't like um, vest tops with the spaghetti strap things um, and just different things. So the more that you know, the, the better equipped you are. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tackle the male fashion oh, on this. On. <laughs> um, so I was very much, we worked at quite a casual school, so no ties for us. So that will depend on the school you work at. I, I do know a lot of male teachers in primary do wear a tie, so yeah. it, tie depends on your school. And Trainers versus shoes. My my school would allow Converse. That was fine as long as the rest of your outfit was smart or trainers. Um, some schools you need to wear shoes, so that's up to the school. But my big tip for fashion for men is don't spend too much money. You want to be finding a place where you can get cheap chinos, really, cheap, durable chinos, probably in navy, grey and khaki, and then cheap shirts, again, just plain, just light blue, dark blue, grey, khaki, and then you've got if you've got those, you can just mix and match all week. Yeah. And I, I would probably have five pairs of trousers, five shirts to start with, and then just white T-shirts to go underneath, and that will, that will do the job. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, definitely. And I think another thing that you might want to just be considering, we're getting quite deep into the clothes, is just your um, PE kit if you are going to be having a PE oh, yeah. kit. Yeah. It's something to consider. Schools can be quite specific. I know a school that I worked in, they um, actually wanted the teachers to wear the same PE kit in an adult version as the children um, on certain PE days. But I would also be just checking your branding and what brands you're going to be wearing as certain, if it depends on which school you're in, if you are in a low affluent area and your children can't afford the brands and things and you're going in and head to toe in branded clothing, that might just be a little bit off. So I would just be checking and, and try and go basic if you can. Do you know what? That's a really nice point, and I'd never mm. considered that. That's really, um, yeah, really something to think about. I think we should move on because we could talk yeah. about clothes for a while. I think <laughs> we should move on to uh, what to read over the summer. Is there any reading that needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, for me, I always like to look over the policies in the school just to get an idea on things like the behaviour management policy, safeguarding policies, different things like that, the uniform sort of clothing policy, if they have one. You don't need to be memorising them and knowing them off by heart by now, but I would just it just reduced my anxiety going in. I knew that I was dressed appropriately. I knew the behaviour management and things that I, systems that I could put in place would be aligned to that. Just little, I would have a look over, most of the time it's on the website. If you need to speak to the school and you, you can get copies of them and different things. But yeah, just just have a bit of a read of those. Absolutely. And I would say now's the time to do it before schools mm. finish. Ask for the policies and ask for any schemes of work they have that you will be expected to follow. Yeah. Because um, you might not be able to get them in summer and that could be an issue. The other one you may want to look at, opinions divided on this, is um, reports from the former teacher, especially if you're new to the school. Mm -hmm. Up to you if you look at them. I always did, but I always approached it with the attitude of it's a fresh start, but I just want to get an idea of yeah. who's coming into the classroom. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, quite often children were completely different. <laughs> yeah, you did find that, didn't you? You'd have yeah. a handover and then you were like, is this a different class? Because um, they're always trying to impress you to begin with as well. Um, so that's a nice way that you can you can get them there and, and mould them to how you kind of want them to be. Yeah. The only other thing I might add is if you do whole class reading or group reading, you know, if you're higher up the school, you might want to read through the first book you're going to be yeah. doing because uh, sometimes that might not be up to you. The school might just have the set of books and you're going to have to do that book. Yeah. No, I had that the, at the last school that I was at. We did Beowulf for the first term and it was oh, the fun. Yeah, so I spent my summer just reading that. And then we also did Alice in Wonderland, which I'd never read the the book. I'd watched the film and that was yeah, that also was good. Yeah, really good. So I had I had good choices, but yeah, just try and get ahead of those. You will be referring back to the books when you're planning, but if you if you have an idea of the story and you know where it goes, it just helps you in, to streamline the planning process. Yeah, I don't want to go off on one, but I also did Beowulf and oh, loved did it. You? <laughs> yeah, I did. We, yeah, that was a really good unit. Okay, right, moving on quickly because our, our time is rapidly going. Um, yeah. So the the most important one there, I would say, is just make sure you have access to the things you need to do your planning because you will mm -hmm. need to do some planning over the summer. Right. How about setting up your classroom? Because again, that's something that will happen over the summer usually. 
Yeah. So the first thing for me, my bit of advice is a bit strange. I just went into my classroom and just stood in different areas of the classroom and sort of looked at it from the teacher's perspective. What could I see? What would I like? Where would I like things? I used to sit at the desk as like a child. What can they see from where they're sitting? So I got an idea of where I wanted my displays to be. If you wanted things hanging off the ceilings and different crazy things, if it would impede sort of the view of the children. I just tried to get in and just understand my classroom. Um, and and then I'll just try to do some little touches to make it feel like mine. You're going to be spending, especially if you're a primary school teacher, you're going to be in that one classroom for the whole year or however long um, you know your, your contract is. You want it to feel like your own. So it'd be putting little bits um, that, that are yours, make it feel homely to you, I, I would like to suggest. That's really nice. I don't have too much to add to that. Um, what did I want to say? Oh, yeah, that's it. Resources. Okay. So the only thing that tripped me up in my first year was I laid out all the resources very nicely because I was in year one, two. I was like, oh, the children will be able to come get their resources. This would be great. I've put them all in flower pots and this would be nice. But I put them all together and created a crunch points. So I yes. I very quickly had to, even if I just sent one child from each table to get the resources, that was still uh, not very good. So I had to think about ways to creatively space things out. So that's, that's my only tip there. Yeah. The, other, the last point I would do on this is a lot of teachers like to go in and do display boards during the summer. Uh, and that can be great, but I would just be checking how your school likes them to be done. Some schools are quite... Um, blase about it and let you do whatever they might say to you we want a maths board an English board or a working wall for example but you've got pretty much creative freedom whereas other schools they like things to be double backed they like things to be in certain fonts some schools can be quite particular so you just want to make sure that you know what to do before you you've spent lots of time cutting and sticking things out and putting it up and then if someone comes in and says that's not the right font that we use so just try and understand what you can do and what you can't do before you start absolutely oh and i will say i have a small hack here that i i really liked instead of a working wall i had a washing line put up in my class and i had a working washing line and that was really fun because i could lower it down and the children could hang their work up you know, Amazing. if they've done a good piece and then it could go straight up. And I used to use flip chart paper. And while I was talking and the children were asking questions, my TA would take notes and then Amazing. that could go straight up. And then it's an aid memoir during the lesson. So that, you, that was really good for me. Depends yeah, you can also school. get... You can also, sorry, you can also get a maths um, style flip chart paper that's a, that um, it's got the squares on it. So when you're doing your maths work, you can you can show um, how to set it out in the books and things. So that that might be useful to ask your school if you can get, or might be something you want to look into yourself. Yeah, absolutely right. I think we best move on to yes. then. Um, what can you do if you haven't found a teaching job yet? And I will say the first one is we are still offering mock interviews and personal statement feedback. So mm-hmm. you can either find that by just getting in touch with us on our socials or it's in our newsletter every week. So we're happy to help you if you still want a job, but you've not found one. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Ashley? No, I think definitely take advantage of that. But that also, if you haven't got a job yet and you want one, don't panic. I know that it might feel like you're never going to get one, but 
I hadn't got one by this point and I managed to secure one ready for September. So there are still going to be jobs coming out at the moment. We still haven't passed the part where all teachers have to give in the notice. So there's still opportunities for you to find jobs out there. So please don't panic. Um, and just if you need support, come to us. We can, we can help you. Oh, I will say, actually, what you could do is widen your search a bit. Mm -hmm. So look for look in a wider area or look for other age groups. Or I even saw a lovely story today on Twitter. An ECT PE teacher applied for a post that said no ECTs and got the job because they interviewed wow. so well. So, um, you know, you maybe be a little bit pushy, maybe go for that year group you haven't got quite as much experience in, but you'd like to try. Um, yeah, maybe maybe take a bit, maybe a few more risks. Yeah. And talking of widening your search and taking a few risks, if you are an adventurous type person, um, you could always look into teaching abroad. So before this podcast, I did a bit of a Google search and I just put in UK teaching abroad. Um, and one of the first options came up, I clicked on it and there was lots and lots of lots of jobs posting in various countries that you just needed to put in a few details and upload your CV and um, you could be applying for positions in countries like China, Dubai, Spain, Indonesia. Um, there's all these opportunities out there, but obviously you need to be considering if that is the right course for you. But if you do like taking a risk or you are adventurous, I'd give that a go um, and see what happens. The only caveat with that is that you just need to be reading the descriptions as some positions ask for teachers to have a certain many years experience, whereas others are just open for all teachers. So if you are qualified and you want to, give those a go. Uh, yeah, other options you could explore include working as a TA, working as a mentor, um, doing after school tuition, or just taking a break for a while. Yeah. I actually know a couple of teachers who had a gap year after finishing teaching and then came back into it and uh, that seemed to work out very well for them actually they had a, a very nice and well-deserved rest before mm -hmm. they started their career yeah definitely um, and this has been a hard year for you. your training year is extremely hard with placements and university as well and for applying jobs it might be that you do just need that little bit of a break um, and to take your time and there will be positions that maybe come up in in different terms of the year if you just want to take off until Christmas for example you can start applying for jobs ready to start in in January so there's there's lots of opportunities out there there is an obvious elephant in the room, which is supply teaching. Now, we've not done it, have we? No, never, I, never ha had the opportunity. No, I had a slight experience of it in my last school where I was a one-to-one, -one, where I was also employed as a supply teacher for the school, but I would just be covering lessons and things in the class. So it's technically I was, but I wasn't really. So there are lots of agencies out there that you can be signing up to and there is a process of how to become a supply teacher but Alicia's going to go into that into the interview a lot more detail isn't she she's experienced at doing it yeah oh and I will just before we go to the interview I'd like to plug a podcast we did last year because I think it's really helpful yes. here and we did a podcast called what to do if you haven't found a teaching job for September and we got five teachers 
on all former teachers, most of whom were called Hannah, <laughs> I remember. Uh, but they'd all found different ways into teaching. Um, one person had taught abroad, one person had done supply and then found a permanent role. And I think that's a really good listen if you're not quite sure on what to do next. It gives you a lot of options and it shows that sometimes you find your dream job in an unconventional way. Yeah, definitely. It is a really good podcast. Definitely give that a listen. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our interview. Okay, welcome back to the Trainee to ECT podcast. We're here with Alicia to talk about supply teaching. So Alicia, could you start by just telling us a bit about yourself? Hi, so I'm Alicia. I am a marketing assistant in early years at Twinkle currently. Um, I started my education um, life Back at university, I did early years and special and inclusive education. Um, three years at Nottingham Trent, best three years ever. Um, and then did supply for about a year. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, there's quite a lot of myths and um, sort of preconceptions about supply. Um, so I was just wondering if you could sort of let us know of your experience of, of what you found were the positives and, and things that you perhaps, you know, are, are, you thought were maybe a little bit of negatives or things that people should be considering before they take the plunge into supply. I think the main thing for me that made me think, oh, is, the, is there always going to be work question? A lot of people think, if it's, if it's your main source of income, am I going to have a job every day? So at the start, your agency will be very like black and white with you. Like, well, you know, obviously it's not an everyday thing, but we'll ring you up and often it'll be in the moment, in the morning, and to get ready and all that. But I actually found that there was always work for me. I don't know if it's because it was a pandemic and there's a lot of absences, but there was always work every day. And I often found as well that I could always ask for a longer term placement, which I found so much more for me fits my style because you've got to get used to school and kids and so yeah that's definitely one, one thing that you might think is a con but actually it's, it's really fine and another thing as well I'd say is I was quite nervous I think coming out of uni I did a few placements but to actually be in a classroom for the first time and given you know full responsibility of these children and not know any of the staff members how we do things um, was quite scary but actually it really did build my confidence up not just like as a teacher in the classroom but yeah. like just general like, personality as well like meeting new people meeting other kids all different backgrounds cultures everything that you don't get to experience just at uni so yeah built, built me up in two, two very different ways it's good to see how different schools do things differently as well I think that's a really good positive no two school is quite the same but that's the beauty of it. I think that's why supply again, yeah, it's very, very useful. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, so Alicia, I was wondering, you came out of uni and went straight into supply teaching. So how did you get started? So I came out of university. I was looking for work straight away. Um, and I'd, I'd been applying for a few positions um, permanent. But I think I knew, and I think the interviewers also knew, that maybe I wasn't quite, like, I either didn't have my heart in it, I wasn't quite ready, do you know what I mean? Um, and supply, in the cheesiest form of a sense, it found me. They, my agency actually contacted me. They're amazing, honestly. I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name, but they are absolutely, like, they're brilliant. Um, but they came to me and um, 
basically just took them to their wing and <laughs> listened to my specialisms. So I said that I'd done special education. They always tried to find me settings to have that element in. I think I did like six months, six months of my time in one school. And um, I was even offered the job there at the end and things like that. So, yeah. That's so nice to hear. So nice to hear someone coming out and being so openly positive about it and having such a good experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um because cause some people feel like, you know, if you don't get that permanent position straight away, um, that you need to take that as a negative and it's just not the case, is it? So I just want to ask you something just a little bit more about the experience that you gained. So with, with you saying that, you know, no two schools were different and things, did you get a varied experience of like years that you were teaching in or, or different types of school that you were in? Did you, did you get a varied experience with supply? I did, yeah. Um, so I've only been doing it for a year. However, I do feel like I did get quite a good, a good mix. So I mostly had early years, so sort of like reception. Although I think I did help out in the year one and two class for a couple of weeks. Um, but that's only because I'd specifically asked for it, was most comfortable with it, done it at uni, so, you know, and, and my agency had always listened to that. Although I did know a few people that had asked for one thing and then got thrown in below the year sixes, which is extremely, <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> um, so I'd had a mixture of um, sort of like more nursery settings in community centres and things like that, which was really interesting. Um, my ultimate favourites were always like the reception classes, school-based settings, adored them. Um, but then, like, my last ever long-term placement was actually in year four class doing SCNTA, um, taking children out on one-to-ones and small groups from the three year four classes. And that, even though I'd never, never really taught year four before, was actually probably one of my most favourite um, places I'd ever done. So then if I hadn't have ever, ever gone for it, then um, I'd never have known that that's what I really enjoyed doing. So, yeah, definitely gave me a good insight into other year groups. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so nice you got such a good variety of year groups. And yeah, year four was my year group, so I, I agree with you. It's, so really, funny. Yeah, it's a really nice age. <laughs> I remember having jokes with them like, oh, I don't know my numbers to 10, thinking that they were earliest children and they'd look at me like, this is going crazy. <laughs> you learn very quickly that they have such, like, they're very opinionated and they are, like, you can't proper laugh with them in year four. I think they're really, really good year groups. Oh yeah, and they're starting to get sarcasm and things. It's it's yeah. very nice. So, um, how would a teacher, uh, someone who's never done it before, go about signing up for supply teaching? Um, I'd say have a, there's all sorts of agencies. I'd say have a research on which one thing suits you best. Um, I think because the process for me was that they sort of found me. Um, it might have been a little bit different, but it's definitely standard CV, cover letter and all that. And then you'll need your DBS as well. Then if you can do your placements and things, then you should be on the um, public service. And it's kind of simple as that, really. Then you make your first phone call, <laughs> which hopefully won't take too long. Um, then, like I said, I always ask for the long-term placements. So um, they always try to find me things that are a little bit more. But then the short ones are nice too. It's just sadly moves in say goodbye to the kids as soon as you remembered all their names. So um, you said you had your CV up on a website, didn't you? So do you think that that's something that would be worth doing for people who are interested? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I just wanted anyone to find me at all (laughs) at that point. I think that's, but it's definitely one way of trying to find it. I think there's like groups on things like Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that. You'd be able to find um, suppliers as well. 
I'm sure, I think even Twinkle, I think, have got quite a good supply. They've got, they've got a supply group on Facebook and things like that. Mm. Like, promote Twinkle, but they do. <laughs> I think I'm in it, and it, that is really useful, especially if you're in supply. That's amazing. Um, so going back to, obviously, with supply, you are going into different schools. And I know that you said that you had a, a six-month placement, but you did some shorter ones as well. Um, and I think one of the main worries I think I would have going into that is that you don't know any of the staff and you don't know who to sort of speak to and to rely on and different things. So are there any like staff in particular um, that you would suggest people sort of attach themselves to or or speak to quite a bit if you do in supply? Smile at everyone. <laughs> Try to be friendly with everybody because you never know you might get asked to come back and help out in their class at some point. Office staff are always really lovely because they all see new faces every day coming through the doors. So they're always really welcoming them and they'll know every question ever. Um, I guess it depends if you're teaching or teaching assistant team. But yeah, just everyone, even the children, make friends with the children because they know that place <laughs> really well. And it's nice to have that relationship where they feel like, oh, this person's trusting me. They've come into my classroom, but actually they're trusting me, knowing where the toilets are and things like that. So yeah, definitely. Literally everyone, everyone in, in the year group, any anybody will probably be really helpful. I've never had anyone that's been particularly unhelpful. I thought coming in a supply, I remember being a child, like secondary school and having supply teachers come in and it'd be like, oh, well, like we can make fun and yeah. <laughs> whatever. But from my experiences in, in a primary school setting, it's literally like that. So everyone's super, super friendly. Oh, that's really nice. That's good to hear, actually, because I think that that's a, an almost kind of preconception people still have that the behaviour is going to be different for supply teachers. Um, so are there anything that teachers who are new to supply might need to watch out for or be aware of? Um, sure. I don't think so as such. I say throw yourself into it 100%. It can be scary. Like Every time I did have those shorter placements, it was a bit like, are they going to trust me that I know what I'm doing? Like they don't even know who I am. I don't know who they are. The kids have a notion of me, things like that. You will always have the worries and the doubts. If you just throw yourself into it, I don't think there's anything you really need to be afraid of. If you're confident, and, and this is it, it helps your confidence. Every time you go into that new setting, every time that you're worried, and every time you prove yourself that you can do that job, you are good at what you do. I, I've literally never, ever, ever had anyone say anything to me. But if you ever got something wrong, just have a chat about it and think about it. Do you know what I mean? It'd be exactly the same still in your um, teaching placements and things like that. So, yeah. I've just got one. Uh, this is just more me being curious. Did you have a supply teaching like bag with like little resources and things in like a go-to bag? Because I've I heard did. that. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did. I had a lanyard with my little hand sanitizer on it. Um, very important, <laughs> especially early years. Um, yeah, stickers. Kids love stickers. Um your pens for marking and things like that. Things that you might not know where they are in the classroom when you come in. So it's just always have your own. And then stickers for bribery. Especially for the kids that don't know who you are and don't... Uh... Oh, brilliant. Well, I, I've only got one more question, Alicia. Do you have any other tips you could offer to people who might want to try supply teaching? Throw yourself into it. Make friends and connections with everyone at every school you go to because you never know if you're going to come back. You never know if... You might get a future job there in the future permanently or even other supply staff would end up going to the same schools and being in different classes and being like, oh, hi, how are you doing? So it, it is a community for sure. Um, I did supply in the pandemic, so my agency, we didn't do too much meeting up and things like that. But I know there are a lot 
agencies that do. It does feel like a full-time job and you do have a team around you supporting you. I think there is a lot of myths around supply teaching, but if you throw yourself into it and give it 110%. That's so nice. Thank you for being so positive about it. Okay. And love the positivity. It. it was a good experience, honestly. And I, I would have I would have kept going with it, to be fair, if I, if I hadn't got the other two. So, yeah. Oh, that's so good to hear. And um, thank you for coming on, Alicia. Do you have anything you'd like to us to mention before we say goodbye? Any social medias or anything yeah, to plug? Yeah, Google Talks EYSS podcast. Okay. <laughs> i got to give it a shout out for my girl, Shana. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting with you. Um, yeah, thank take you. care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I really enjoyed that interview and I want to thank Alicia so much for coming in and our guest from last month I meant to mention. Uh, Josh was a fantastic guest. If you haven't listened to our podcast on mentors yet with our 1.4 million viewed guest on TikTok, <laughs> Josh, I, I would really recommend it. He is lovely and so positive. Um, just before we sign off, I would like to say on Twitter, where I spend a lot of my day, we are getting close to 5,000 followers. That's a big milestone for us. So if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter. I'm on there every weekday and I'm happy to answer any questions you have, help you find resources or anything you need. Um, I would also like to mention that Ashley and Donna do a fantastic Facebook live session every week you can mm -hmm. tune into. Can you tell us a bit about that, Ashley? Yeah, so at half past seven at night every Thursday, me and Donna jump on a live session for around 15 minutes and we talk about and explain to you various things that you might come across, terms you might be um, hearing that you might not understand or different methods of teaching. We go through everything. So the most recent ones that we've been doing is an assessment series where we've explained all about the different SATs that you might be coming across Um We've done like the phonics check. There's lots and lots of different live sessions on there and they are all saved on our Facebook page. So if you have missed any, they're all there. And if you are free at half past seven on a Thursday evening, it would be lovely if you joined us. Thank you so much for listening. And as we said at the top of the show, if you've enjoyed it, if you found it useful, or if you want to ask us anything, please do get in touch via any of our social media platforms. And Ashley or myself will both be happy to talk to you and we'll just finish with Ashley reminding you what our platforms are. Yeah, so again, I'll start with Facebook. You can find us on Twinkle Training Teachers or the Twinkle ECTs and NQT page. You can find us on our Facebook groups as well, which are the Twinkle Training Teachers group and the new Twinkle ECT and NQT support group. You can find us on Twitter with Simeon at Trainee Twinkle. You can find us on Instagram with Twinkle Training Teachers. And we are also on TikTok for a bit of a laugh and a joke about teaching. And that is Twinkle Training Teachers. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.